Welcome to the Vanguard Project. Today's episode is titled The Warrior's Perspective, as we talk to folks who have spent time in Afghanistan, among the people, fighting, actively working to get individuals out of harm's way, and uh, finding ways to support one another during this time. Um, first thing, uh, this episode has been recorded over the past week or so, and I would like it to be noted that events have continued to unfold um, as this episode has continued to be constructed. Um, second, if you need someone to talk to, um, please feel free to leverage myself at my email in the episode description um, or the links below as Gia uh, will be covering later on towards the end of this episode. Uh, thirdly, uh, thirdly, if that's a word, um, if you have any information that needs to get in or uh, get moved to the front line, uh, please feel free to reach out to me and I will relay what I can. Um, finally, the Vanguard project is uh, doing its best to play a small part in supporting the efforts overseas. Please use the link again in the episode description to purchase a Vanguard shirt. Um, that logo that it takes you to, um, all profit from that design will be donated to Arxalis in order to help um, fund some of the additional um, efforts overseas to help get folks to safety. Um, but enough said, uh, we're going to roll a series of interviews, so let's get out. All right, so I was a. Uh, my name is Rob Tackett. Uh, I joined the army in January 2002. Um, have a few diplomas under my belt, um, but I've been contracting in Kabul the past uh, three and a half, four years. Um, so I kind of familiar with what's going on right there right now. Um, pretty much what we've been doing the past 48 hours or so is we've kind of got this internal network of just a few guys on ground there and a few guys stateside and just kind of networking and making things happen like um, almost underground. Um, we don't have really any zero backing by the U S government at all. Um, but they've kind of failed our people over there who have helped us, the locals, the interpreters, the um, a lot of the commandos, teachers, whoever they may be. Um, they're just left in, like, in a very tough spot right now. Um, so I have a few buddies over there um, who, whom I worked with who are attempting to help us get um, some of our uh, interpreters into the airport. Um, and through networking, through other people, I have a couple other guys on ground who are pretty badass individuals. Um, kind of going out and grabbing people that we point out to them, the pictures and like going outside of the gate and grabbing them just by themselves. Um, it's a, it's kind of an undertaking. Like not many of us have slept really. Um, mm. Cause obviously they're eight and a half hours ahead. So we operate middle of night trying to get people into the gate. Um, it's a, it's a lot going on right now. A lot of moving parts. Okay. So what do you feel like, I guess, how, how are you, handling this i mean has it hit has it hit you in any way that you're like holy shit like this is just a, a catastrophe or i'm not feeling great i mean or has it even sunk in what's going on yet um as soon as it happened it was like it kind of hit me right away um because i guess i i just left Kabul a few months ago um so it, it kind of hit me hard a little bit um especially because i had former interpreters messaged me like almost immediately asking for help. So I put like a small thing on Instagram 
like saying, hey, I know a couple guys who can assist people getting inside the gates. Let me know if you have some people. And mm-hmm. within those 48 hours, it's kind of blown up um, to something that I never knew was possible. Um, it's kind of goes to show you this community and like how strong we are and how well we work together. If we don't want to accomplish something. Okay. Okay. So as uh, a guy that spent a bunch of time over there, what do you feel like uh, other veterans might need to know um, kind of managing their thoughts throughout the situation? Cause I've talked to a couple so far that they're like, was my time over there worth it? Is that something that you struggled with or maybe want to communicate out at all? Um, kind of initially, which is why I wanted to help out right now with anything I could do. Um, so this kind of like fulfills like that kind of like, was it worth it? Cause we're helping people get out of the country who helped us. So it definitely makes you feel like we did something there. Actually, we made a connection with them and they're like turning to us now to help them. So I will say any veterans that are kind of struggling with that right now, reach out to other veterans who may be helping um, and maybe they know of somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody who needs help. Um, and just by them bringing it to their attention and through networking, um, they could potentially save a person's life over there right now, which to me is the ultimate. Yeah, it was worth it. Okay. Okay. Two more questions. One, what do you want to know or what do you want the general population to know about the situation going on? Um, it may seem uh, lost right now. But there's a lot of things happening in the background that um, without government backing at all, just a bunch of people who are willing to risk a lot of a lot to save lives they've never of people they've never met. Um, so don't feel discouraged. Um, things are happening. Um, things that are not on the news and probably will never make the news. But positive things are happening right now. Okay. Last one. <clears throat> How can people help you or get involved with the situation? Um, there's a couple groups I've been working with. Um, Digital Dunkirk uh, is a pretty pretty good one. Okay. Um, they've uh, I got linked with them in the past I think day or so, um, and we've been going back and forth with different people and different American citizens who are sort of trapped there. Um, and hold on, I have one more. I can't remember the exact name, and we pulled up real quick of another, another group I've been working with. No, Ark Salus, S-A-L-U-S. Um, they're another group that is helping get people out of the country. Um, so those two groups, if you like have $10, $25, whatever it may be, any amount of money, those two groups are doing a lot of good right now um, in Kabul. Okay, perfect. What else, man? I don't want to take your time. I know you're taking 15-minute naps. Uh, no, you're good, man. Like, <laughs> there's no nap right now. I got a bunch of phones, things coming in. Um, uh, pretty much, I just want to like say how proud I am of like these veterans. Um, we're uh, we're in a few groups on some apps right now. Guys we've never met who are kind of coming together and saving a lot of lives right now. So it's um it makes me pr- feel proud to be part of this community. Yeah, so my name is Brad Godbold. Uh, I was in the U.S. Army. I was a 13 Fox uh, Ford Observer. Um, uh, works in artillery. Just quick uh, overview of what it is. Um, help basically to guide uh, missions onto target um, from, you know, mortar, artillery, uh, aircraft, stuff like that. Um, 
served uh, six years active duty, three and a half years National Guard, uh, Iraq, Afghanistan um, deployments. Um, yeah, that sums it up really quickly. Okay, so you've been over there quite a bit. With everything that is going on, um, has it hit you in any way, shape, or form that has been either frustrating, made you feel a particular way, anything in that arena? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I think probably a common uh, thread with a lot of veterans is like watching everything going on right now. It's kind of like just a punch in the gut. Um, you know, all the work we did over there to try and help stabilize the country, um, give them a better infrastructure, things like that. And just to see it all ripped away so quickly, I think. I think we all kind of had an idea that at some point we were going to leave the country and that over time it would revert. I don't think any of us thought that it was going to happen in 40 days. Um, so it's just really been a, like a, a punch to the gut to see the things going on. So like, uh, most people don't know if you've never been there, Afghanistan is a beautiful country. I mean, just from, from a nature standpoint, Afghanistan is a beautiful country. Um, the people there are like obviously outside of the extremist um, groups, but the people there are like extremely nice people. They're welcoming um, for the most part, wanted us there. They wanted our help and everything. So to see everything going on there, it's just been I mean, the best way I can describe it, it's just a punch to the gut. Okay. Okay. So have you, I guess, has that stressed you out in any particular way? Have you been able to handle that or, or has that been eating and chipping away at you all at all? Um, it's definitely, I mean, I think probably the first few days, especially uh, last weekend um, with all the things going on, you know, seeing, seeing their citizens like clean the sides of planes, like desperately trying to flee the country. Um, things like that definitely kind of hit me a little bit. Um, didn't sleep great probably uh, last weekend, early in the week. Um, I've kind of separated myself a little bit um, for the course of the week, just for the sake of my sleep and, and work capacity and everything to be able to like, get some restful sleep, um, like trying not to deep dive into it every day, just kind of keeping up with kind of what the tempo is over there. Um, but yeah, I think um, it's definitely like had an effect on me. Um, like, probably most people that served over there um, just worried about like the future of it. Obviously we're going to probably at some point end up back and kind of almost having to start over again. Um, yeah. Okay. So if a guy or gal is having a hard time separating uh, themselves from the situation, kind of being able, being able to get that sleep, uh, how are you able to separate yourself to kind of rest? Um, the biggest thing is like, I don't really watch the news anyway, um, on TV. And I just like give myself uh, quiet time from social media, Facebook, Instagram, things like that, where you get most of your information nowadays, whether it's good information, bad information. Um, it's still information that you're subjecting yourself to. So just trying to like get quiet time away from that. Um, if it's, you know, just during your work day, like during your workout, finding a time to like, just not be on your phone. Um, and I found that like the closer I get to like, you know, the time that I want to go to bed is the time to do that. So it's like, at least not fresh on my mind. Fair, fair. Okay. So what would you like people to know, um, excuse me about either Afghanistan, the people of Afghanistan that you've learned that maybe people don't know or understand? Um, yeah, like I said earlier, it's just like, they're obviously outside of the extremists they're i mean they're they're really nice people they're they're welcoming like you go to the villages and do uh kpis and everything and they're they're there they're it, welcoming you they're giving you the food that they're going to eat that week they're 
you know, slaughtering the goat that they've been saving for a big family meal. And they're like serving everything up to you. I'm glad that you're there doing the work you're doing there to help kind of stabilize their country and um, rid them of the, the extremist groups. So, I mean, they're, they're grateful. They're, um, they're humble. They're welcoming. They're just good people. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. And similar question, but for veterans, for folks that have served uh, over there, um, what would you like them to know in a time that maybe they feel like either challenged or frustrated, similar to how you've been feeling? Yeah, I think um, having talked to people like Greg and um, and other guys, trying not to get caught in the trap of the the thought pattern of what was it all for? Um, obviously, know that we were there initially for maybe not necessarily the right reasons, but why once we were there, like est- trying to establish the infrastructure and help the people while we were there, like we did something, we did enough that the people there now are clinging to the sides of planes trying to come to America. Um, So not try not to get caught in that thought trap of what was it all for? Like it was a waste of time, things like that, because that's just self-deprecating thought patterns. Um, They just trying to remember what the mission was, like what what we were there for, what we were trying to do for the people um, has kind of been where my go-to. Okay. Okay. All right, man. So that's kind of my gamut of questions. Is there anything that you, uh, I guess, feel strongly about related to this that you want to share? Um, I guess I would say, like, you know, if there's things you want to do, there's plenty of organizations out there that are doing things, um, taking, you know, uh, donations and things like that. There's private companies that are doing more than our own government right now as far as flying people out of the country, Um taking donations, flying their private planes over, collecting people coming back. I mean, they've done more than our own government has as far as rescue missions. Uh, so there's there's places out there. Um, you can find them very easily via Instagram um, of organizations that are taking donations and things like that and doing a lot of work over there. Okay. Perfect. Easy enough. <laughs> Hammered it out. All right, man. Well, uh, is there anything else that you want to share i mean i don't want to take the stage away from you but i also don't want you to feel feel pressured so yeah i mean um i like to keep things kind of like short simple to the point um just kind of hammered in like you said um it's just frustrating you know uh having to watch all this go on like you know you kind of almost feel like you're in like this pattern of like repeating yourself it's just one of those things like you're 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 almost at a loss for words because like all you can think about is like how frustrating it is. Like um, you can't really like process the feelings yet, I guess. I mean, some people probably have already processed. Some people process later. Everybody's process is a little different, Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's just, I can say so much. And then it's like, I'm just going to start repeating myself. <laughs> <laughs> is that a, is that a have you uh, been reaching out to buddies and stuff? Has that helped you at all? Yeah. 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 Having, um, yeah, having discourse with people, um, and you know, there's some veterans, um, obviously entitled to their different opinions, you know, and, and it's always been civil conversations, but some people are like, you know, they're taking the stance that we knew it was going to happen. Did we know it was going to happen so fast? No, but we all knew that this was eventually going to happen. So they're like, I, maybe it's a, it's a mechanism so that they're not letting it consume their time, which is completely fine, um, to take that stance. Um, so there are even across the veteran community, across the Afghanistan um, campaign community that have or at least are 
attacking like their thoughts of this from a different different stance. Yeah. Fair. Okay. Sure. Uh, hey, thanks for having me on here. Um, my name is Caleb Brewer. I'm a medically retired uh, Green Beret. I served in the Army from 2006 to 2016. Um, the relevant stuff to this, um, what we're talking about today, is I got injured in Afghanistan in 2015, December 4th, which was my 31st birthday. Um, me and my team were conducting some operations in Helmand Province, Afghanistan, which is a pretty bad area. Lots of, uh, lots of drugs, lots of violence. And um, I hit a, a pressure plate IED, lost both my legs, got medically evacuated to Germany and then back to the States. And then I spent all of 2016 uh, recovering in San Antonio, Texas. Um, I've since been out, but um, I got to spend some interesting time in Afghanistan. I, I, I traveled to other countries in the world, but um, this is my only trip over to Afghanistan. And when we were over there in 2015, was the year that the war had officially ended. And that's when President Obama had said, hey, you know, no more, no more war. We're gonna do a contingency operation to help out the troops and help with the Afghan troops and make sure that they can take care of themselves. And so um, we got to see some really unique time on the ground that, that a lot of troops hadn't seen. And so uh, that's kind of what I want to talk to you guys about. Okay. Okay, so you saw a lot of unique things. Do you feel like the Afghani people were really receptive of you guys and kind of feeling like there was ownership and, and things were moving in the right direction, given your experience? Um, I'm honestly, in my area, so the, each province in Afghanistan is different, and that's why it's so hard to, to get one unified government over that place because it's super tribal, massive changes in scenery and cultures, and people are very tribal there. So down in Helmand province, it's a really it's a really unstable place. Um, you have lots of drugs running through there and there's lots of foreign countries purchasing drugs, um, throwing money at that place to, to ensure that it's violent and it's not stabilized because that's where a lot of the, the majority of the world's opium comes from Helmand province, Afghanistan. So, the, so there is no schools, the kids, um, they don't go to school, they go to a madrasa and then they learn how to farm opium and build IEDs. So it's a, it's a pretty sad place to be. It's really technologically, they, they have nothing. They, they go to the bathroom in holes in their mud huts and it, they don't have running water, no electricity, all that stuff. So when, so when we were there, we're, it's, it's looked at as kind of one of the, the harder places to be as a true uh, American soldier there in, in, within the country. Um, the, the president, uh, President Obama at the time wanted to, to end the war and see what the Afghans could do to secure themselves. And that's in 2015. We said, hey, we've had enough. We're going to go over there. We're just going to sit back and give you uh, verbal advice. We can't give you so much as a bottle of water or uh, we cannot give you any air support, can't give you bullets because we want you guys to take over your own country. So that was in 2015. And by, the, by June, July 2015, the place where I was at started to fall. And there's a lot of similarities between what's happening right now and what happened then where the Taliban went on massive offensives and they surrounded all the district centers, the capital cities of each province. And they, and they came and they sent messengers to all the local Afghan army and police folks and said, hey, we got you surrounded. We're going to kill you tomorrow unless you drop all your weapons, all your equipment, leave it and get out of here. And what did they do? They left. So all these cities start to just fall back to back to back. Musakala, Sangin, Marja, Kajak, all these places. So we ended up having to go out as Americans 
when we weren't supposed to, and we ended up going into like an expeditionary force with a hundred Afghan commandos, which were kind of like their Rangers. And we just went from city to city fighting and trying to um, keep these cities from falling. And the, the speed at which these cities fell within Helmand province was insane. I'm talking within a couple of weeks, an entire city would be deserted except for maybe one outpost in the center. So wow. it's interesting to me that, that some folks in the, in the leadership of our country are talking about how they didn't perceive that this could possibly happen in 11 days. And so to me, it's kind of crazy because if you not only historically looking back a hundred, you know, decades, hundreds of years ago, the history of Afghanistan, but if you, if you look at just within the past 10 years, how they've gone about taking all these cities and we've had to react and go take them back. It, it, it's real similar to what's going on right now. So that's why it's hard for me to hear people saying that, well, we didn't anticipate these cities or the whole country to fall so quick. So. Yeah. So this is no real surprise to you then. Not at all. And it's, it's super, it's, it's frustrating. I mean, we could, we could rant all day long, but the biggest things that are, uh, that are frustrating are lack of hindsight and just not caring for what's going on. So from my perspective, when I'm sitting here reading the news and seeing the articles and seeing the, the gossip that's coming from everybody that, that I'm being fed from Afghanistan, it, it, looks, it looks like it's just a ridiculous planning process. And we just wanted to get out with no, no regard for the consequences. So why, why were the troops pulled out first and then the civilians? And now we have what we're dealing with right now, which is just chaos and people trying to get to the airport. Why, why weren't the civilians pulled out first? And then while the country is secure, then say here, here, Afghanistan, here's a secure country versus we're trying to hand over Afghanistan to the, the government and it's complete in complete shambles now. And you know, that's going to, it's not going to be run by the government that we've been trying to put in place for 20 years. It's going to be run by the Taliban without doubt. And then you hear the leadership, the Biden and his, and his, um, his cabinet, everybody talking about how, well, we are negotiating with the Taliban to allow Americans with their passports to get through the checkpoints. We talked to the Taliban and the Taliban this, and what's happening is they're, they're um, legitimizing the Taliban. Mm-hmm. Not only did we kick them out and we're allowing them right back in, but in a sense of like where their place is in the country, they're legitimizing the Taliban. And, and then with the president, um, president Ghani of Afghanistan leaving um, in the middle of the night on a plane, I mean, that just furthers that the Taliban is going to be in control of that country which is a shame after what we did for 20 years. Yeah. So one question that, you know, I've, I've asked and kind of been, you know, encouraged to, to check on is having spent time over there to exactly your point, do you, how do you feel about your time spent over there? I mean, do you feel like that you got thrown away? Do you feel like you still were able to perform a, a service to the people of Afghanistan? So I have, uh, a lot that I could be really angry at the world for. I mean, I'm, I'm missing both my legs. I lost friends that did not come back. I know a lot of people that got injured. I have tons of friends that sacrificed their body and mind for that country. And so it, it's, a, it's a hard thing to deconflict in your mind because you join to serve. You want to serve to protect your country, to do what you think is right. And when I get deployed, I don't have, I don't have, like, I don't have a choice. It says, hey, you're going to go here and you're going to do this job. And when I was overseas, I dealt with it a lot where you're trying to, trying to figure out what to do with your mind because you can, you can focus on what your mission is to secure this district center, to work with this unit, whatever. Or you can start thinking about the bigger picture. Well, what am I, what, 
am I doing that affects the bigger picture in Afghanistan? And when you start thinking that way, it starts messing with you. And then you, then you second guess every decision you make, every decision that's made about you is the juice worth the squeeze. And it really messes with you. So what I've been able to do to get through this is to focus on the, the immediate, like what's going on with me and my buddies and my brothers in arms when I was there. So protecting them to make what little difference you can in, in the world, because there's a, there's a, an actor, Gary Sinise, and he has the Gary Sinise Foundation that helps out a lot of wounded warriors. And he says, we can never do enough, but we can always do a little more. And that really stuck with me because I want to be able to do everything and solve the world's problems, and I can't. So I have to think about what can I do on my level within my bubble of influence that can be of good to the world. And so that's how I think about Afghanistan. I could be pissed off and angry at the world. And I'm trying not to be because it affects me. I'm trying to look at the things that I can do. And um, I'm, pr I mean, I'm proud of my service without a doubt. It's, it's molded me into a, how, who I am today and everybody that I met. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So what advice uh, would you have for other veterans too, that, that might not be able to kind of focus on the here and now compartmentalize it in that same way that might be struggling? A hard, it's a hard one, especially now because it's so near and dear to all of our hearts. Right. Um, there's a fine line between being informed about what's going on and being addicted to everything that goes and is pushed through social media. And one of the things that I've noticed in social media is all these memes, all these quick articles with a, a quick headline, they're aimed at an emotional response or aimed at like getting me mad, getting me happy, getting me sad. And then all of a sudden I scroll the next thing and, and then I'm not able to process the entire article. I'm not able to research the article and then I move on to the next one. So that initial emotional response is stuck with me when I go through and then it's just back and forth it's, and it just stacks up on top of each other. So it, I think managing how much you're on social media really helps. But the biggest thing that's helped me out is being around a community of folks that are like-minded. So finding people that I can talk to and not just over the phone, but like actually being around them and doing other things. And so I love archery. I shoot all the time. I'll go shoot with my buddies. We'll go to 3D shoots and it, it helps me. It helps calm the mind. Um, and then it, it may sound overplayed, but exercise, getting in the gym and doing stuff really it, when I, when I beat my body and make my entire body tired, I'm almost too tired to complain and think how bad about how bad the world is. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> Okay. I love it. And last question I've got before you've got anything uh, to share. Is there anything that you want the general population to know, think about, kind of be aware of as things go down or continue to go down? Um, right now I'm seeing a shift in the past couple of days in the situation where initially people were angry, frustrated, um, point fingers, calling names and all this stuff about what's going on. But now I'm seeing a shift where people are trying to come together for a common cause. And I'm not saying this is in any way similar to 9-11, but that 9-11 unified America and it helped us to become one to have a common goal. And I think that's what's happening with a lot of people where I'm seeing folks talk about what ways they can support the situation. So I'm really, I'm really excited about that. Um, and also a quick little plug. I, there was a, there was a book that was written um, about my time in Afghanistan um, and a, a couple other folks, some pretty pivotal mo pivotal moments. It's called Eagle Down by Jessica Donati. And it's, it's 
it's a very good story. It's an uncomfortable story because it talks about really similar things that are happening right now. And so it's not like a happy unicorns and rainbows story at the end, but it talks about every level all the way from the joint chiefs of staff, all the way down to the special forces teams that were working on the ground, how each decision affected each per each different level. And, and it's, there's so many similarities between what's going on right now. And that book is, it's kind of scary. But the reason why I say that is because if we're not going to learn from the past, then we're not going to change it. And we're going to continue to do the same thing again. So all we can do is learn from what's going on right now and grow and become better. If this ever happens again. Okay. Anything else or you want to uh, get out there? No, um, I appreciate you taking time to do this. I think this is going to help a lot of folks um, just talking to hearing each person's perspective and stories. I mean, you, you know, somebody that does these kind of podcasts, but stories are what keep us engaged and, and they're really important to pass on to everybody. So, yeah, I'm hoping, I'm hoping that at least to get something out there. So, yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, my name is Kevin Monroe. Um, I spent four years in the Marine Corps, uh, two deployments to Iraq with them. Got out, um, was a civilian for about six months. The wars were still going on, so I kind of felt an obligation to go back. Um, tried the Marine Corps, so I went to the Army. Got a great job, and since I came from the Marine Corps, they kind of just gave me free reign. Um, so I stayed over at the 101st for, geez, 10 years almost, and uh, deployed another five times. <laughs> um, <laughs> Spent a couple of those over in Afghanistan uh, from 2010 and 11 and then 12 and 13 as well. Um, and the whole, uh, the whole situation with the, uh, the Afghan war, um, whether there was political um, agendas or whatever, um, the soldiers that were over there, that it was not, we weren't fighting for some agenda or anything like that. We were fighting for each other. Um, and then the atrocities, the war crime, or not even war crimes, crimes against humanity that you'd see from uh, the Taliban. Um, and you kind of take that to heart because you see just the worst that, you know, mankind has to offer, um, which just kind of, <laughs> for one, instills just a permanent sadness in your heart that you just, you know, you can't shake it after you see, you know, what they're capable of, what, what people are capable of doing to other people. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so... With this uh, withdrawal, you know, we've been withdrawn for six, seven years now, um, slowly just backing out, trying to get the Afghan army stable um, and willing, willing to fight. Um, we spent many, many, many nights, many missions going into places we had no business going, getting in crazy gunfights just to, just to establish an observation post for the Afghan army or yeah. a checkpoint for them. So they could get a foothold somewhere. And all they had to do was maintain that. Um, and when you have, a, when you have a, a population that I don't know if they became too dependent on us, looking for handouts, looking for safety, um, whatever it was, these guys weren't willing to fight for their land. They weren't willing to fight for their people. Um, they already kind of treat their... Um, women and children like trash anyway not near as bad as the Taliban but they weren't willing to fight for anything and yeah. so you watched them get steamrolled like they did um the president yeah he 
he, he pulled out uh, probably not the best um, best way strategically, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but we were going to pull out and, it, and it, it was something that needed to happen. You know, after 20 years, what were we going to do there? Yeah. Um, we weren't we weren't going to stay. That, that was never the solution. So I understand why everybody's kind of up in arms with this thing, um, you know, blaming it on the president. Um, that's a job that nobody can do right for one yeah um no matter how how much biden sucks and everything like that you know <laughs> like he, he he wasn't gonna succeed anyway nobody can sure um but man he dropped the ball um what we could have done is slowly kept withdrawing um we we're very capable with drone strikes and everything like that we, we eliminated well i guess I can't say eliminated but pretty much got rid of isis um, in its entirety, just about, just by doing drone strikes. Sure. Um, and that's something that we don't actually have to be in the country to do. Right. Um, so we could have slowly pulled out and just kept the Taliban on their toes with drone strikes, probably give the appearance that we're, there's still a presence. Um, and then at some point we could have had everybody out, the Afghan army, had they been willing uh, to fight for what's theirs, um, I feel like it would have been a really smooth and easy transition. But what happened was we withdrawed immediately. The Afghan army wasn't willing to, you know, fight without the U.S. backing them. Um, and, and I can't say that for, for all of them, right? I can, you can never speak in absolutes. Right. But the vast majority of them just weren't willing. Um, and so we see what happened. And from my standpoint, day in and day out, man, I would see – we come back from these missions and we're walking back to, you know, the outpost or the, the, the base or wherever you, you're stationed at or whatever out there. Um, and you would, you would see women with just stacks of just, you know, animal feed, hay, um, produce, everything just stacked, dude, so high on their shoulders and backs, just beat down, walking up these mountains and down these roads, carrying all this stuff back to the village. And you see, small children leading livestock that can easily just overpower them and stampede them, um, trying as hard as they can, but still failing, um, right. trying to lead them to water and everything like that. And uh, then, then you get to the village and all the men are laying around in cots smoking hash. And for one, you're like, maybe these guys got it figured out. You know what <laughs> I mean? But the reality is they don't. Right. Um, they just have no motivation. I, it, doesn't appear that uh, they care one way or the other they just kind of accept whatever happens happens yeah um which is really that's what that's what pisses me off that drives me absolutely crazy because we went out there and we did so much work for them so much so many people died in 2010 we lost 66 guys you know it just that's absurd. You know I mean? We shouldn't be losing numbers like that, trying to help somebody that doesn't even appreciate it. Right. You know? Um, and there would be, you know, every now and then you'd have a mission where like you'd have an Afghan army soldier, like stand out. We had a guy we called Rambo. Um, cause he, <laughs> we were pinned down and, uh, you know, they were up on the ridge line shooting down at us and we were just getting lit up. It was hard to move anywhere. Try really difficult to maneuver. And this old man in flip flops and he had an M16 with one magazine <laughs> runs up the ridge, stands on it and just sprays down and then sprints <laughs> back down to us and just yells, mag, mag, mag. And 
we were all too eager. We're like, yeah, dude, definitely. You could take one of mine if you're going to keep you. doing that. Yeah. But that's one guy out of that entire battalion we were with. Yeah. So. So when you say they didn't appreciate it, right, was that on like an average feeling or, or I mean, because that's not the sense that I've gotten on, on, on the whole. At the time while we were there, they would tell you they appreciated it. Okay. They would shake your hand. They would say thank you. And a lot of times, you know, um, some of the villages would help us and point out to where the Taliban were. Sure. A lot of times it didn't happen. Um, but those were words, you know what I mean? Like not actions. Right. You can, you can say something till you're blue in the face. And if your actions say otherwise, that's what it is. Right. Um, so that's why there's that no appreciation. Um, we would see bodies man like the taliban would just they would kill villagers burn their bodies and hang them in there in the village so that we would know that they're there this this is something that happened daily they would just go through and kill civilians not a problem it did not matter and if the local population isn't willing to stand up mm -hmm. and do something about that you know after we leave because we were doing something about that because that's garbage you know right um but if they're not willing to yeah no that's they don't appreciate it. They never did. And what was the purpose for that from the Taliban? Was there, was it just despite? It's a, it's a terrorist organization and that's how they operate is through fear. So that's what they figured was if there was burnt charred bodies hanging from trees when we came through so that, you know, they would be like, yeah, we're here. Yep. Like we were going to turn around or something. That was yeah. never, and you're like, never no, an option. Not a yeah. Okay. Yeah. We were like, no, okay, absolutely. You guys are here. Fantastic. Let's go do work. Right. Um, and that's what we would do. Um, 2010 and 11, that's what we did. It was Wild West that time. It was that was that was a good time. 12 and 13 is when we put the Afghan army face on the war. Okay. Um, we kind of knew when we went into that one that that was going to be our last real kinetic um, deployment in Afghanistan. So the unit I was in kind of handpicked, you know, the guys they wanted to take um, that were going to perform and everything. And we went over there and tried and tried and tried man tried so hard we would put them up front we would like line them up we were like yeah all right let's go let's go let's go <laughs> and they just wouldn't they would as soon as the bullets started flying they would hide behind rocks um i, I caught two of them making tea in the middle of a gunfight really it's like what are you guys doing <laughs> you know? um but then you would run into like the one random guy that did get shot and he's proud yeah he's like yeah check this out <laughs> and he's like oh you know doing hand and arm signals talking about the gunfight he got in yeah. you know and he'd be you know revved up and so those small little glimmers of hope right there is kind of what kind of kept you going you're like all right well maybe these guys are gonna figure it out you right. know um <laughs> unfortunately the majority of the time they just weren't willing to put themselves at risk especially i mean and why would you right if you could have somebody else from a different country put themselves sure. at risk sure um but the crimes against against humanity, man, that's maybe as Americans, we have some sort of morals or standards, you know, they're just instilled in us. Um, and maybe they just don't have that. But like when I see. All right. Yeah, man. So we <laughs> we swung by the gas station on the way back from work one day and there was this guy screaming and yelling at this woman, mm -hmm. just screaming. And oh, it was a male lady screaming and yelling. He was on a bicycle. Right. I, I can't just not let that, yeah. you know what I mean? So I walked over there and, was, and I told this guy, I was like, 
first of all, I just told him they needed to leave, right? And then he didn't want to. And I was like, all right, man, look, there's like three people in this world that you don't mess with. And that's the person that delivers your mail, um, your tattoo artist, and me. Um, <laughs> so get out of here. You know? And the dude oh, finally left, you know. But had that been in Afghanistan? Yeah. No, nah, dude, they'd have just let that. That's normal. That's okay. It's fine, you know, to beat their women. It's fine, you know, to sexually abuse children. That's, that's a common thing. They, that is a term. They're Cheskas. They're Chai Boys. Um, and they belong to the district governors, and they make tea and get raped. That's what they do. Um, and that's asinine, man. Yeah. It's absolutely asinine. They're not like how we define men with courage and, you know, willingness to do what needs to get done, um, not complaining, any of these kind of things, you know. It's just not them. Right. It's just not it. So what's your fear then? Oh man! Now, now, now that you know, let's say our our presence isn't yeah there. Well, a lot of people liken this to uh, Vietnam a lot, and it it, it is different. Um, these guys will do absolutely anything to inflict damage, pain, whatever on the Western world, and the Western world is Europe and us, um, in their mindset, um, primarily us. So we're gonna see without a doubt, a spike in home attacks. I mean, it's, it's going to happen. With us being over there, it kept them over there. You know, we provided a way for them to try and kill Americans on their home turf so we didn't have to fight them here. Sure. You don't want to fight them here. Um, but that's what's going to happen. There's going to be small attacks. There's going to be refugees coming in. And, and that's great. If you want to help refugees and people that are just really hard up political refugee anything like that that's that's great you know help them out do whatever you can but they're not all going to be refugees yeah and they're not all going to have america's interests or even their own interests in their in, you know in their mind um so th those will happen and that's something that the american population is going to have to you know come to terms with um at some point the Taliban's recognized as, as a legitimate political mm -hmm. um, party. At some point, that's got to go away. There's, they are, <laughs> they're, they're worse than, you know what I mean, Assad and Syria and all these, you know what I mean? Like, it's so much worse. Um, and now that we've given them an entire country and given them so much military assets <laughs> it is unreal what they have yeah um we could we could hopefully and we will um i'm not sure what the plan is but we could go through and target these guys just like we did isis um because the iraqi army ran just like the afghan army did mm -hmm. um and we just went through and we targeted every military looking vehicle right because they just abandoned it all I, I watched when ramadi fall i was watching that on the uav feed um miles and miles long of you know tanks and you know matt v's and max pros all these vehicles that we gave them miles of them lined up no iraqi soldiers with them they abandoned it all when they were trying to leave the city so isis you know obviously took it all and then we just had to go through that night and just Nuke start bombing you know, bombing them up um and if i mean that's something that, that we we could definitely do in afghanistan mm -hmm. um so hopefully that is part of the plan to kind of clean up the mess that uh that was made when we left sure um kind of take away their ability and you know capabilities because it, afghanistan they're not just staying there they want to expand um and we we just 
I, I, can't, I cannot believe. <laughs> I, I refuse to believe that, that the solution is we're just leaving and that's their problem now. Yeah. That just, it just can't be. Um, these guys, you, you can't underestimate them. The, these guys believe, like, it's okay to die because it's better anyway. Right. We would get ambushed, and they would be tunneled into the side of, a, like, a mountainside just as deep as their body and their weapon can fit. They're totally comfortable with climbing in there, knowing the second they shoot somebody from there that they're, that's where they're going to die. That's yeah. their grave. They essentially dug their own grave, and they're cool with that. They don't care as long as they take one or two of us with them. <laughs> um, so suicide attacks are going to be huge, huge in the United States. Yeah. Um, and we're opening borders and trying to, you know, ignore problems that are happening with the borders and things like that. And, dude, it's not going to bode well. Okay. Um, but what, what people can do, right, because you want to stay prepared. You, you know, there's, there's a difference between being paranoid and prepared. Yep. Um, and what you can do is, uh, you know, there's plenty of companies out there. There's plenty of, of guys, shooters out there like you, um, guys like me floating around. There's so many, so many of us. Um, People can just learn, learn tactics, learn how to fire a weapon in self-defense, um, instinctual shooting, that kind of thing. Um, and you don't have to get crazy with it and become like a Geardo and have all the awesome <laughs> stuff and everything. But, you know, just maybe being a little bit more vigilant right now would do the American population probably Kay. good, I would say. Okay. Anything else you want to share, man? I think... Uh, I think it's a tragedy, dude. Yeah. Absolute tragedy. I have not liked watching the news. No. Um, and you've already seen, you know, there's already images out of, you know, the women and children and they're hunting down all the interpreters that mm -hmm. worked with us. They're just, you know what I mean? And they're just going to go through and just kill everybody. And a lot of people here in the United States don't, you know, cause it's not here. So it's not real to them. Um, it's very, very real. And, uh, we're, we're talking about, thousands of people they're gonna die you know it's not just a couple of onesies and twosies it's it's gonna be a massive scale yeah. um and the men over there they don't deserve any respect or anything there's a couple that are great but the rest of them absolutely not that they're gonna let that happen to the other two-thirds of their population yeah. they're just gonna let just get wiped out or or conform to the Taliban. That's it. That was heartbreaking, man. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, thanks, man. I appreciate you. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's good to be here. So my name is Greg Williams. Um, I was in the Army from 2013 to 2016, and I was in Kandahar, Afghanistan from 2014 to 2015. Did nine-month deployment over there. Um, getting right into what I did, um, I served on a, a PSD team, uh, private security detail for the commander of RC South. So that was a two-star general most of the time. Uh, we would also pick up missions for any other high-level commanders that came in um, from foreign nations and our own, obviously. So working with four stars all the way down. In fact, the highest ranking individual we ever worked for was the Secretary of Defense in okay. 2014. It was Ash Carter at the time. Uh, but anyways, so working around very high level um, 
commanders and uh, decision makers over there. Uh, and it gave a really unique opportunity to see the sort of the behind the scenes of the war. Um, you know, we were obviously involved in it every day. We were out in the city, uh, pushing deep into Kandahar city almost daily. Uh, in some cases running multiple missions a day, Blackhawk missions, MRAP missions. Um, and so we were working alongside Afghan national army. You know, we were obviously advising the national, the Afghan national army. Um, and so, you know, our commanders, you know, giving them guidance and strategic advice and et cetera. So we were around the Af the ANA commanders all the way down with working with their PSD details and stuff too. So, um, you know, I got to experience the Afghan people in a variety of ways. We, like I said, we were in the city all the time. So we were working with, or not working with, but we were interacting with just your average everyday citizens of Kandahar. And we were working with Afghan National Army, AMP, which was Afghan Military Police. We worked with the Afghan Border Patrol. Um, and that, again, consisted of, you know, their commanders all the way down to their privates. So I've had, you know, a lot of one-on-one -on -one interaction with, with Afghans and a lot of, you know, inter intimate interaction with that country as a whole. Okay. Okay. So with that experience, um, how are you handling thinking about processing what's currently going on in Afghanistan. Yeah. So, I mean, in full transparency, this is now our third attempt at this podcast <laughs> and well, it's a very difficult thing, right? Yeah. And you kind of like we talked about, you've had much more face time with, I guess the natives of Afghanistan. Yeah. So I think it's been difficult to put into perspective exactly what you're doing and thinking about it. Yeah. And that's like, it, I mean, that's like a small part of a even bigger piece, I guess, in that like, it's hard to having, having interacted with the locals so much makes it difficult because you don't look when I say interact, like you don't really understand what they're saying. Right. They're, they're not speaking English. It's such a different culture that like you see it and you experience it, but you don't really connect with it while you're there, I guess is, is sort of, how I look at it now, like I, I told you before we started recording, like I hadn't thought about Afghanistan until all this since I left. Yeah. Like when I left Afghanistan, I was kind of like, all right, somebody else has got it. Like some younger dude than me came in and filled my spot and like, he's got it now. and I'm gonna go back to living my normal life and it'll take care of itself. There will be a resolution someday and I can look back and say, I played a small part in that and cool. Um, and where we're at now, now I look back and I look at it and I'm like, holy shit, like, you know, if we're talking about the people, it's like those were people like those were human beings that we were impacted. We had an impact on their life and we had a positive impact on their life, at least for the time that we were there. But again, like while I was there, you know, it's it's a mission. You're like a robot while you're over there, man. Like you wake up and you put that uniform on, you get that truck or that, you know, assault pack or whatever, like ready for your mission. You get your gear ready and you go. And it's very like chop, 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 you know, like you're, you're literally training for so long to do these things that it becomes second nature and you're kind of just out there doing your thing and you're not really stopping to reflect on where you are and what you're doing. I do remember that. Like I remember the day I landed in Afghanistan, like it was, we were there for probably like six hours. And then I finally looked around. I was like, Holy shit, dude, I'm in Afghanistan. <laughs> like it doesn't even really hit you. And so, like I said, I got out and I didn't think about it again. And now all of a sudden it's like, I'm being forced to sort of reconcile everything that's happened with my experience, everything that's happened since my experience, and now what's happening here and now. 
it's super complicated and I'm not going to get into, cause this is what was de derailing me in those first two attempts at this podcast. I'm not going to get into the politics behind it and what other countries are, you know, how they are now seeing the United States and how that has changed. Um, you know, what impact, um, military leaders, com commanding generals specifically had on what happened and the lack of consequences that I think that they will face. You know, obviously you can kind of get a sense of like all the different places where my head is at right now on the topic. But ultimately, I think what matters more than anything for me right now and going forward is maintaining a level of dignity in what we did over there so that the guys who paid the ultimate sacrifice, right? Not to be cliche, but like the dudes that we lost over there, mm -hmm. that their sacrifice wasn't for nothing. And so it's, it's going to be, and literally having this conversation is helping me come to this understanding as we speak. But it, going forward, it's going to be important, in fact, pivotal to remind myself and the other dudes that were involved in this war. And I will say, dudes, let me just be clear. There's a lot of badass women out there that had a role too. <laughs> but um, it, it, we're going to have to continue to remind ourselves that if nothing else, while we were there, we made individuals' lives better. Not everyone's and not all the time. And obviously, like, whatever happens from here going forward, like, is yet to be seen and who knows what lasting impact we had because there will be a lasting impact whether it's positive negative in some way like it's not like history was erased if nothing else the time that we were there we were making we were making positive impact on, pe on people's lives and we were doing good things and we have to remember that or that is how we allow the dudes that lost their lives to be for a waste if we, if you know what I'm saying, like yeah. if, we, if we can't remember that going forward, then yeah, then we truly have nothing to show for it. Okay. So for you, you're saying that you're coming to this recognition or realization now that that's probably the most important thing yeah. for you in, in handling that. What, what do you think is important for other folks that ha did serve over there to go make either similar or, or the same realization so that they don't kind of get trapped in kind of the, the third, the first two conversations, right. About how to, how to handle, how to handle it and kind of wrap their heads around it. Yeah. I mean, that's a tough question to answer too, just because I think it's different based on everybody's experience. Okay. Um, you know, like it, it would be really hard for me to tell somebody that was, um, uh, without even getting into detail, it doesn't really matter, but somebody that just had like a completely different experience than what I had over mm -hmm. there. Cause there's, I mean, it, infinite possibilities to what your experience was. If you were in Afghanistan, like your living situation and how much combat you saw and how much interaction you had with the individuals. And depending on what that was, it's going to be hard for some guys to look back and, and have that same perspective that I do, you know, in that like, you know, I guess, I had the luxury of being able to sort of take it all in just because of what my mission was and like the, the, the unique aspects of the war that I saw. Um, you know, there were, I, ha I had the opportunity to kind of sit back and reflect at times where other guys didn't. You know, we would go out to visit a ANA um, brigade, battalion, whatever, and you could see them training and you could see them working. And trust me, they weren't great, dude. Like the <laughs> ANA guys weren't great. And I'm not going to sit here and act like they were our best friends either. Like we kind of hated them because they were just a pain in the ass. It was more like, get out of our way. We'll take care of this sort of thing. But damn it, that was our mission, right? Our mission was to, you know, at some point our mission became to train the Afghans and hand their, their country back to them in a way that they could prosper going forward. And sustain. 
Yeah, you know, and so that became the mission. And whether we liked it or not, like anybody that's ever served in the military will tell you, like they definitely served missions that they did not like, they did not agree with, whatever. But fuck it, man, like that was our mission. And we, you know, we, we didn't accomplish that. And so that goes back to what your original question was, which is like, how do you guys reconcile with that going forward or whatever? Again, it's, I, I don't know. I don't know how to answer that because it depends on what role you played over there. Um, it, I don't know. I, I really don't. I wish I had a better answer than no, that. I'm not going to try. I think I think it's probably the important piece, right, is everybody's got to figure it out on their own. But I think something that's worth stating to the cliche point is everybody's going to do it in their own way. And yeah. the fact that you're not alone having to figure it out is probably important worth, important to say, too. Yeah, that actually is a really good point. Like, that, that is a very good point in that, like, yeah, I think it's important to realize, like, everybody's struggling with this. It's kind of wild. Like I posted, I posted a photo of me with an ANA soldier in Afghanistan. Like, I think it was two days before the Taliban had actually like, or at least whatever. Like before, the consensus was that the Taliban had taken it back. I think that was on like a Sunday that everybody was like, "All right, it's yeah, Taliban is taking control." And yeah. I had posted someone like a Friday, and I remember feeling weird about posting that because I was like, "Man, I hope people don't see this and think that I'm trying to like make this about me and that it's you know it's." egocentric and like oh poor me like and then all of a sudden like for the next couple of days i started seeing other people doing the same thing and i started realizing like okay i'm not the only one feeling these emotions and feeling like you know having these questions of what was it all about and yada yada because i started seeing all these other people that i know you know obviously working in this industry and being a vet a ton of my friends in fact most of my friends are vets and so like seeing all these other people starting to articulate and express their own struggles you know their own difficulties in in like i said reconciling with what is happening and, and what their impact was actually for what their time their time and energy and their buddies they lost whatever what, what all of that was for mm -hmm. now gives me comfort it gives me comfort to know that guys that did more than i did and were over there for longer than i was and lost more friends and fought more combat and yada yada that they also feel the same way that I do because yeah. it, it, it gives me a little bit of um, at least that, like that sense of community is back. It's like, we still got each other, you know? Um, I, I've been really proud of that. I've been really proud of the way that the community has come together and supported each other. Like I've had a lot of people reach out and they're like, how are you doing with all this? And it's like, dude, it's not about me. Like, honestly, not great. Like it sucks. Like it's fucking hard yeah. to see what's going on right now. And, and, and to, you know, deal with it. I've thought about it nonstop the last seven days. I didn't think about it once from the time I left Afghanistan till a week ago. I never thought about Afghanistan, man. And it's all of a sudden like everything's just back and just hitting you. And it's, it's a lot, but I'm really proud of the way that the community is at least trying to hold it together. I know that we're struggling. Yeah. A lot of guys are struggling with this right now. Um, but it's, like I said, if nothing else, I'm really proud to see guys like coming together and trying to remind each other that like we did good things over there. I've heard the the term, you know, blame the suits, not the boots a bunch. Mm -hmm. um, it's kind of cliche. It's not really my thing to throw around like a a phrase like that, if that makes sense. Um, but I, I dig it because it's it's a really kind of to the point way of saying like it's not our fault. Yeah. Like you did what you could. Yeah, you I had no you're supposed to. Yeah, I had yeah. no control over when I went there, when I left, what I was allowed or not allowed to do while I was there, I was just following orders, man. And there's, I mean, that was a huge dichotomy in that, in that phrase alone. I was just following orders. Um, and I won't even go down that rabbit hole because <laughs> that's like a whole nother can of worms. Yeah. But at the end of the day, like there is something to be said for that. Like we were doing our job and, yeah. and while we were doing our job, 
lives were better. Yeah. Okay. So from your perspective, what do you feel like people should know? The general population. Yeah. About what's going on. Yep. There's uh there's a million things and I could talk for an hour, but I'm going to keep it like really <laughs> simple. If nothing else, um, there's, there's two things. I guess one is I hope that the American public um, uses this as an opportunity to reflect back and remember what has gone into the last 20 years of war over there. There's a lot of lives, uh, and that to me, uh, American lives should be above all else, right? We are Americans first, and I absolutely um, respect, value, and you know, mourn the loss of the, the lives of innocent Afghans that were lost. There were a lot of very guilty Afghans that lost their lives too, and fuck them. But there were a lot of people over there just trying to live their lives. Um, and so I feel bad for those people, but way before that, above all else, every American life we lost over there, I think takes priority over anything else. After that, there's like the, the billions and billions of dollars in, uh, or tax dollars in equipment, um, obviously ammunition and guns and everything else. Like just the, the amount of money that the American taxpayer has spent on this war. I hope that the American taxpayer remembers that like with what's happening right now so that we can get better as a country and start electing people that actually give a fuck about what we're doing in, in, in foreign nations. Like if we're going to go over to a foreign fucking country, it better be worth our time and it better be worth their time. Yeah. Um, and then I hope we just regain a sense of, of gratitude for living here. Um, I hope that the, you know, there, there was a, a very iconic and what will continue to be iconic for years and years and years. Uh, an iconic video of, of guys falling off that, that aircraft that left Kabul, uh, just trying to get out of the country. And if that's not like a wake up call for, for our culture here, our, our citizens here that like, we got a pretty fucking good, you can leave right now. Like literally you could leave right. Like I could get on a plane and leave to another country and never come back right now if I wanted to, mm -hmm. like without hanging on to the landing gear. Okay. So like. If that's how bad those people wanted to get out of there, and they weren't even being promised where they were going, anything like that. They just knew they had to get the fuck out of there. Dude, if we don't pick up some sense of gratitude and, and patriotism again from that, I don't know what else could do it. I remember 9-11, like, even as young as I was, I remember how united the country felt. Uh, and that's because we experienced a little bit of hardship. We don't experience a lot of hardship in the U.S. at all. People think they do. People like to talk about hardship. Bro, we don't. I'm telling you, we don't. There's people right now, not just in Afghanistan either, but obviously we're talking about Afghanistan. There's people just trying to survive. Don't give a fuck about their cars, their clothes, anything. You've seen the videos of, of people handing their children over the wall. Yep. They'll probably never see their child again. They don't keep great documents and records and stuff over there. Like They'll probably never keep, see that child again but they know that, that child's life will be better anywhere else. Man, I just, like I said, I, I hope that the American public can look, look at that and think about that a little bit. I don't have a whole, lot of whole, a whole lot of hope for that, but if there's one thing that I take away or that I hope that we as a country take away, whether it's a veteran or a, or a civilian, I hope it's just a, a repurposed sense of uh, patriotism, pride, and gratitude for where we live and what opportunity we have. All right, so uh, my name's Tucker Johnson. Um, I was in the Marine Corps from 2006 to 2012, um, and I served with 3rd Light Armored Reconnaissance Battalion in Helmand Province. Okay, 
So with everything that's going on, what are your immediate thoughts on, on how the situation is being handled, your time in Afghanistan? What do you feel like is uh, relevant to share? So for me, it wasn't quite as, as personal with the, with the people over there. Um, I wasn't in direct contact with, with local people or uh, Afghani army or, or those kind of folks. I just wasn't. Um, I spent more time, obviously, just running missions and doing that kind of thing. Um, and the only people I was around was other military members, whether it be the Army or the Marine Corps. Um, and for me, it feels like what a waste to spend all the money and all the lives in Afghanistan to try and secure a country and, and create a republic or, or democracy, whatever you want to call it and get this country to a point where it can, you know, it's self-sufficient. And I guess I'm not as, I'm just disappointed in the leadership of our government over there. Like, okay, so we spent 20 years over there trying to make a difference. And then, okay, in seven days, we pulled the entire might of the U.S. military out of Afghanistan. And it seems like, kind of a quick thing we didn't do that in world war ii you know we still had i mean hell we still have military bases in europe mm -hmm. to this day right now how long ago did world war ii end um I, and the same thing i look at korea okay we did the same thing in korea and now we have a country that's split in two it's like it progressively got worse as time went on and um i talked was talking to my dad the other day my dad was in the marine corps he's a vietnam vet um he's a pretty quiet vietnam vet compared to most you wouldn't know he served unless you, 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 you kind of drug it out of him. But I was talking to him about it the other day. And he's like, so this surprises you? This is, this is new? We've been dealing with this for 40 years. This is the exact same way, the exact same thing we did with Vietnam. And I was like, wow, you know, kind of brings it into perspective. Like, wow, we, this isn't anything new. And we're just now noticing it. And I look at all the guys that, you know, are posting stuff to social media and, and talking about what they did over there and, and how bad they feel about people. And it's like, you know, what's going on with those people over there right now. And I'm like, I feel horrible. You know, I wasn't as connected with some folks as, as other guys like Greg, you know, Greg was much more connected to, um, actual Af Afghani people, mm -hmm. the population, the population compared to me. Um, and it's like, wow, just, you know, pull chocks and get out of there. Right. Like it doesn't make much sense to me. Why would you invest so much money and lives in a country trying to help that, that their population out and, you know, make a better life for them and their children and then just up and leave in seven days after you spent 20 years there? Okay. Like, like, what a waste. Um, and it's frustrating. I look at our leadership and I'm going, really? Like, this is what you said to do. You're like, you've already spent the money. Mm -hmm. You know, right, wrong, or indifferent, you already spent billions of dollars trying to secure this country. So, you know, if we were there for another 20 years, does it really matter? If we were there for another 20 years, just pull out for seven days and leave the entire country to hang out to dry? Yeah. Like, it doesn't make sense to me. So, um, so when you say that you feel like it's been a waste, a waste of, waste how? So when I joined the Marine Corps, um, I came from a very, a Marine Corps family, right? That's kind of, it wasn't expected of you, but... <clears throat> If you're joining a branch of the service, you're going to join the Marine Corps, right? Right. Um, and so these guys went over there on the notion that they're going over there because of 9-11. That's why I went. 
you know, I wanted not, not necessarily revenge, but I wanted to make a difference. I wanted to make it again. So make it so 9-11 ever happened again, you know, that we wouldn't have an issue like that in the U.S. ever again. Right. So that was kind of the premise of me joining the Marine Corps. So I think it's a waste of like, why go over there for 20 years, spend all that money, and then just up and leave and let the same assholes that did 9-11 take over the entire country and run that son of a bitch like they have been for the last, you know, 100 years. And it, it doesn't make any sense to me. Like, why would you just up and leave? And let them take over the country. Let the enemies of America that we've been fighting for 20 years, that all these guys have, you know, signed on the dotted line to go over there and lose their lives for a cause and then just give it up. Right. It doesn't make any sense to me. You know, I look at guys that, have, that I knew that died over there, you know, and for a long time I took a lot of pride. Like, yeah, they lost their life, but they were, they were doing it for a damn reason. And now it's like, okay, you fuckers just up and left. What's like, the reason? reason for what <clears throat> no like like i'm i'm yeah. validating yeah like yeah like what's the reason you just yeah. you just packed all our shit and left well, we didn't pack all the shit we just wasted everything that's over there sure we literally armed the people that we were fighting with our weaponry we gave them all of the technology that we had been using to fight them for the past 20 years and now they're going to use that against us i mean there was a cnn reporter um over there doing an interview and, and I don't know if she's really doing an interview, but she's just over there reporting on what was going on and they're all chanting death to America while holding an American made M4 that was probably made, you know, I bet you parts of it were probably made in Boise, Idaho. <laughs> I mean, really, honestly. Yeah. So they're over there holding an M4 with U S made optics with U S made magazines. Everything was made in the USA and they're holding it. It's chanting death to America with shit. We literally gave them. Like, how fucked is that? What what military commander in the right man, mind, you know, if you look a thousand years ago, went, hey, here's all our swords, and uh, yeah, here, you guys are all good to go. We're yeah. going to leave now. We'll that's fucking stupid. Um, and that's where I get at it. It's like, that's what frustrates me and makes me so angry about it, is we just up and left, and now we're going to have the same assholes in control of a country that we fought 20 years to keep secure, and now they're going to do the same thing. They're going to regroup. They're going to get organized. And, you know, they're all out there chanting death to America. So they're going to send assholes from there over here and cause more death and destruction on U.S. citizens, which is, you know, as cold hearted as it may sound, that's who I care about. Right. You know, I'm not necessarily concerned with what's going on over there. I'm concerned with what's going on over here. Yeah. What and watching will be happening. Or what will be happening. You know, I don't want to watch 9-11 on the news again, especially when I'm too old to do anything about it. Yeah. You know, I can't like go sign up for the you know sign sign on the dotted line again and go back over. I can't do that physically. I can't do that. It's kind of shitty. Like, why didn't we just continue to work through the issues that we were already having over there? Yeah, and and secure that country in a proper way. So, in that same train of thought, what do you feel like people need to know now with what's going on, or need to be aware of? Service members or just the general public? Both. Both. Make your voices heard. Get out there and vote for people that are actually going to do something. Don't vote for the status quo. I don't give a shit if you're a Democrat or a Republican. If you're willing to do the job and do it good, it doesn't really freaking matter anymore. Um, 
and people need to take pride in the country they're from. We're from the United States of America. We don't leave people behind, you know? And we were talking before the show about how I forgot to get, get Greg breakfast. I felt horrible about that, <laughs> right? That's a, you know, like, and that's just like, thinking about it now, yeah. it's kind of like, wow, I, I kind of left him hung out to dry. That's basically what we did to Afghanistan. He called me out on it, mm-hmm. and by God, I'll fix myself. But I think that's what America needs to realize is, yeah, you live in this awesome fucking country, and you're literally just holding people out to dry yeah. and saying, fuck you, you know? And you're not making any changes over here in the U.S. It's just still as bad. You still have people in the U.S. chanting death to America, which is a load of bullshit. Like, you live in the best country ever in the history of the world. Yeah. So, I don't know. I kind of feel like we screwed ourselves because, you know, America doesn't mean anything to anybody anymore. Um, I look to look at people, um, you know, I look at people in Europe. And um, I, I heard this uh, it was a World War II vet. It was a, it was a program I watched. And these World War II vets would take trips over to um, Normandy, mm-hmm. revisit Normandy. They haven't been back to Normandy since they stormed the beaches. And there's French people there, you know, older French folks, you know, and they're probably in their 70s and 80s, coming up to these U.S. service members saying, thank you. Thank you for putting your life on the line and coming over here and rescuing us from the tyranny, which was Nazi Germany. Yeah. And we just said, fuck all that with Afghanistan and Vietnam. Let's look at, I mean, that's, that's really, it wasn't as publicized as it is today, but that's what we did in Vietnam. That's what we did in Afghanistan. So obviously there's, we're, we're, we're keep going down the same path and America's word doesn't mean anything anymore. Uncle Sam's word doesn't mean anything. And that's just, that's sickening to me. Not that I hold a lot of value or not value, I shouldn't say, but not that I love other countries more than I love the U S I love the U S with everything. It's the United States of America. It's where I was born. I have a lot of pride in this country. And when we go say we're going to do something, we're going to secure a country and make it independent. By God, we do that. And we didn't. And that's what makes me so sick. Thinking about it now, you know, you got all these, we just hung an entire country out to dry. And they're not going to, they won't be able to come back from this unless we go back over there again. And now we have to redo everything that we fought 20 years doing. Yeah. And you know, it's some... an insurgency. It's not something, it's not like, it's not as cut and dry as everybody thinks. It's not like one military going up against another military with muskets. You know, you know exactly who your enemy is by what color of the clothing they're wearing. Mm-hmm. So we literally have to start over if we decide to go back in. So it's an entire waste. We just wasted all the lives that we spent over there doing. Has that hit you at all as far as wasting lives? Like, does that resonate in any kind of fucked up way? I don't think it really resonates in a, in a fucked up way because I know what they were doing when they were over there. Okay. And I thought it was a, a good thing, you know. Mm-hmm. I think what pisses me off more is our leadership, like our upper brass, you know, basically the all of Congress, basically whoever runs the U.S. That's what pisses me off. Okay. Um, it's their fault. It's not our fault. It's not. Like, we did good things over there. And I tell Greg that too. We did good things over there. It's not our fault. It's their fault for pulling the plug and making the decision for us all to come back. That was wrong. It's their fault. It's the United States government's fault. And that's where the change needs to happen in this country is the United States government. They've lost track of what America should be and that they work for us. They don't work for themselves. And I think that's what scares me the most is like, we don't matter anymore to them. You know, I look at, um, you know, like a four-star general. They don't even give a shit about me, right? But they should. 
the brass should give a shit about the guys they send over there, but they don't. The politicians should care about the guys that die over there, but they don't. And that's what pisses me off. Yes, you know, I look, yeah, it's an Afghanistan problem. No, it's a U.S. problem. It's our mentality. We've gotten soft, and our word means nothing anymore. If we say we're going to do something, we don't do it. We just say, yeah, we're done. Bye. Have fun. Yeah. Oh, by the way, here's a, we're going to give your enemies a bunch of guns and we'll let you kill them with it, or kill, kill each other with them. I think that's what's wrong to me. That's what really pisses me off. Okay. Right, wrong, or indifferent. Yeah. Perfect. Okay, so my name is Gianna Verratti. I am the president of the National Warrior Foundation. We are an organization that focuses on the mental well-being of our active duty veteran and first responder community, which is obviously at the forefront of, well, I shouldn't say the forefront, but it is, sharing, sharing um, the limelight, so to speak, of what's happening right now. Um, I would say the forefront is obviously the rescue missions that are happening, but also the struggles that our veterans feel um, having served in uh, Afghanistan over the last 20 years. And definitely I've spoken to so many service members um, within the soft organizations and, and not that feel as though their service was in vain. And I'm gonna, I actually wanted to read this um, message that I got the other night, and that's the one that I told you about. So I apologize if I'm pausing while I'm driving, but I think it's indicative of how people are feeling right now. And so I woke up at like two in the morning to this message, and it just said a word about Afghanistan. Like the rest of the world, I have watched the events of the last few days play out with disgust. Unlike most of the world, I served there. I spent both blood and treasure trying to do the impossible, for the unwilling, on behalf of the ungrateful. In order to stem the tide of an evil that most of us are just now waking up to or perhaps being reminded of. My heart is sick with more than just sulfurous taste of yet another defeat. It is sick with creeping, sickening worry about the friends that I met there, the Afghans that I fought and bled with, the merchants that I did business with, their families, their children, the people who so naively believed that we would protect them the people we promised that we would protect, the people that I promised I would protect. I'm not going to suggest the events of the last few days have been acceptable or handled at all well by the White House, but I cannot as hard as I try lay blame at the feet of the current president. His predecessor wanted to withdraw and his predecessor was the one who decided that we weren't really going to fight and we certainly weren't going to win. I know I was there. The fault is not the current president's, it's bigger than that. It belongs to the military officers, the Taliban safe havens to reconstitute all of the, all while lying about the level of pacification of battle spaces. It belongs to the national security professionals who couldn't be bothered to learn the real ground truth and instead passed on the rose colored analysis which led to terrible policy. It belongs to every single person who served there and did the bare minimum those who viewed Afghans as less than fully human or accepted phrases like, there's nothing here worth dying for. If you were one of those people, spare me your pearl clutching over the fall of Kabul. It belongs to every single American who unwillingly to do their duty, cowered behind bent ideologies and excuses in order to justify their failures and their weaknesses. In short, it belongs to all of us, myself included. So, 
like that's a way to wake up in the morning. Right. That's but a also, pretty heavy sentiment. It was pretty heavy. Yeah. Um, and we had, I mean, we had several conversations after that, obviously. Um, but I think the thing is, is that that's the overwhelming tone right now that we're hearing. Um, I, I don't think that people are necessary. I mean, obviously some people are placing blame and it comes down to the politicians, but I think neither left or right, like we've spoken about, um, it, it, they're upset about how we're doing what we're doing. And the fact that, you know, we left in the middle of the night and we left all of our stuff there. And, you know, it just was a, it was a worthless way out with no good end in sight. And so for us, um, what we've been trying to do is work with people that we know um, that can help bring um, Afghan families and Afghan um, nationals that have been allies to Americans and to the world, really, right? Like this is not just about America. Right now we know that France is there, Britain is there, um, like all types of soft organizations across the world are gathering together to go in and help these people. And I think um, what the up, upside of that is that um, there's purpose again, right? Like our, our people have purpose, which is generally where we tend to lose people is when they don't feel a sense of purpose anymore. So whether this be the best mission um, we know that people are going in and they feel good about helping the allies that helped them. And for us, that is the biggest part of how we can be a support through this. So I, I know we talked about it the other day and I had to put a little bit of thought into how I was going to lay this out, but people are angry and rightfully so. And so providing some type of forum that we can come in that you know, people are not going into the VFWs anymore. And that's unfortunate because that's a great place to have a fireside chat. And maybe had we learned from history or the politicians or the people, the lawmakers learned or done any studying, you know, we know that history repeats itself and that we didn't learn from it, or at least the people that are laying down policies. However, bringing in the GWAT service members to talk to the older service members and learning from one another. And also being able to provide context to this next generation that is young. I mean, we're seeing 24, 25 year old Marines over there right now, grabbing babies to bring them to safety, right? That is going to stick with them for a long time. And so we're looking to provide just that, a fireside chat that empowers people to come together and just vent or not vent or tell each other how they can help one another or just be a place where people can be safe to talk. Right. Um, and I know that there are a lot of other nonprofits that are doing um, similar, not fireside chats, I'm sorry, I'm trying to find the roundabout here, but ways that they can help the mental health of the people that are really struggling right now to feel that everything that they did was not in vain, which it was not. If you go back and look, uh, Afghan girls for the first time 
were able to go to school if they chose. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's going to be a, a dirty turn of events, but for 20 years, little kids got to be little kids to the best of the ability in that circumstance. Right. Yeah. And women got to be women and they got to drive and they got to do things that nobody would have ever thought would have happened. And so they, it wasn't in vain. I mean, incredible things happened there. Just now we're going to have to um, figure out what that looks like and how we help those service members find purpose again. Sorry, I just randomly no. <laughs> almost ran off the road. <laughs> so you've got these, are, you're setting these fireside chats up now? Is that what you said, G? Yep. Do you want? Okay. Um, so I'm looking to, I'm looking to start those um, hopefully next week. Okay. So I worked on it a little bit after we did the other night, it'll be a zoom. And so we'll put the link on our website. We'll obviously put the link on all of our social media, my mm -hmm. social media, um, the entire crew's social media, my LinkedIn, um, okay. and just try to get the words that word out there just as a safe place for you to come and talk and talk about, um, you know, what you're scared of, what we think the way forward is, how we can all be a support system to one another, but most of all, just be a place that you can come together. Okay. Okay. I'll steal that link too when you get it and I'll put it in the episode description and I'll yeah. share it out as well. Um, and then this will be out on yeah. Friday. So it'll likely be up and okay. running if that's the case, uh, the week right after uh, it goes live. So, okay. So you'll have the fireside chance make sure everybody knows that, that their service was not in vain. Great things did happen. And then that being said, is there uh, any other organizations that you want to throw out there for people to get plugged into or made aware of? Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I think the vet center is a huge one. And even though they fall under the VA, which I know a lot of people have their own um, issues with, they were started um, by combat vets and they were there and it is walk in, call in, no matter what, it's 24 hours a day. They're probably the most underused and greatest resource that our combat veterans have. Um, Rally Point, the George Bush um, Institute, um, but definitely also Team Rubicon, right? For those of you that are looking for a purpose, that's exactly what Team Rubicon does. It, it would be very good for you to be around your your brothers and sisters that are providing relief in places like Haiti and, you know, give you back that sense of um, prideful purpose that maybe you're not feeling like you have right now. Links are in the episode description. Get involved.